0: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hey,
1: Stephanie, I don't know about you, even though I've been eating pretty healthy during this stay at home time and I'm working out, I still feel like I'm drinking more alcohol and eating more chocolate than I normally would. And it's left me feeling kind of, I don't know, almost like blah. And the summer's right around the corner. It's basically here. And I'm so ready
0: for our seven day
1: summer liver detox.
0: I am in full agreement, Marnie. You know, I love my daughter and she's a great baker. And now she does it all on her own except for the cleanup. And we've been doing a lot of, I've been having a lot of baking and I can tell from everyone else out there every time I go to the grocery store that it seems like we're in similar positions because all the flour on the shelves are usually usually gone. Um, So yeah, we're launching our Summer liberty Detox starting Monday, June 22nd through Sunday the 28th. And what that entails, you're gonna get a kit that'll have a daily nutritional support, that Marnie and I use in our smoothies every single day for the shakes and then just two different supplements that you take so it's really easy to manage. And then you'll also get a detox friendly recipe book that we put together that has a grocery shopping list.
1: And then there's community support and there's a chat that everybody you know communicates in on a regular basis and there are daily emails. So head on over to theartoflivingwell.us slash 7day-detox to sign up, and you can also message us with any questions that you may
0: have, and we really look forward to you joining us. Yeah, we want everyone to feel great leading into that holiday weekend.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. It's Michelle Horovitz, and she is one of the co-founders and she's the executive director of Appetite for Change, which is a nonprofit social enterprise organization that's dedicated to using food as a tool to build health, wealth and social change. Appetite for Change works with residents to build strong families and healthy, equitable communities around food. They also own and operate Kindred Kitchen, which is a shared commercial kitchen incubator and Breaking Bread Cafe and Catering, which is a youth social enterprise serving the North Minneapolis community. You you may remember a couple weeks ago, we had Princess Haley on our show, who is the co-founder of Appetite for Change along with Michelle. And she did a special bonus episode with us that we recommend you go back and listen to. But today we're gonna learn all about Appetite for Change and we're so excited to have you on our show. So Michelle, I've known you since you were a little girl and I remember coming over to your house to hang with your sister Jen and you would always be playing upstairs with your toys and we would head downstairs and that's kind of all I saw of you when you were a little girl, but um, now look at you today. Um, you are doing so much and it's so impressive. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up getting started in your nonprofit Appetite for Change what was your original inspiration and i know that you kind of started off your career in law and then i think you went to culinary school right kind of or chef school something with cooking maybe? En- enrolled
2: didn't enrolled. actually complete okay. but i'll take it <laughs>
1: okay and then um and then you you know kind of dove into the nonprofit. and what i just we really want to know like what inspired you and how and it seems like you took all of your interests and kind of channeled them into this new organization.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, it's been quite a while since the days of cutting all the hair off my sister's Barbies and terrorizing (laughs) her and her friends. I love how Marnie puts it, when you come downstairs and it's like, yeah, and beg to play with you guys. (laughs) And like, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been a while, and I just turned 40, so it's been a reflective time, too, in my life. But yeah, um, I started out as a public defender in Miami-Dade County, then I enrolled in culinary school, didn't go staged, which just means apprenticed, worked for free for three months at a James Beard award-winning kitchen, took an hourly job there as a line cook and assistant to the pastry chef, then had my first kid, with my beautiful husband. And then we moved back to Minneapolis. And um, yeah, I was really um, sort of disenchanted by the whole criminal injustice system and feeling like even though I was fighting for justice, I was just fighting an uphill battle. I was the last point in a funnel before someone is locked in a cage or put on probation for 25 years. and. That was just a lot of stress mentally and long hours and, um, you know, just really tough. So questioning whether or not that was um, a pathway for me. Um, Also questioning whether I wanted to own a restaurant, seeing um, my mentor, Michelle Bernstein, and what she went through um, to get to the level of success that she has. And questioning if that was the the life that I wanted, you know, every weekend, every holiday um, in the kitchen. And just wanting to do good in the world, um, was going to make a baby food company. And then like I was like, well, but is the end game to like sell that to a big, giant corporate entity and mm-hmm. make a bunch of money? Like, no, that's not really end goal. Um, so I joined the board of a nonprofit helping people do community gardens, um, giving gardens at their faith-based institution or their corporate entity or just backyard gardeners called Gardening Matters. And then I also volunteer, um, cooked and instructed, chef instructed for Cooking Matters, which is a national part of a program called Share Our Strength. And it's administered in universities, um, nonprofits, in places all over the country, but it's um, hands-on cooking curriculum and people go home with groceries and the recipe to make the food again. So I was doing that on a volunteer basis, being on the board, paying for really part-time child care with my, like, 10-month-old at the time. I think he was 10 months. Um, And then wanted to start something in North Minneapolis. Like, my dad grew up there. My um, community, the Jewish community, had a huge presence there. Um, Most businesses had left, but thinking about all the potential there is um, around food and how different the North Minneapolis food landscape or foodscape as we call it is Mm -hmm. compared to where I was living at the time in uptown Um, and just wanting to learn more about that and and figure out if there was something I could do about that also had my blinders on and was like I'll just teach people how to make baby food from growing their own fruits and vegetables in their backyard Mm -hmm. and it turns out like that wasn't necessarily there are a lot of new moms and young women and People with children who want to learn that, but not enough to do a whole um, program. So we actually, when I met my co-founders, and it was fortuitous so I met both of them, and it's very different, but the three of us just brought people together to cook, eat, and dialogue about the change that they wanted to see in North Minneapolis and all of the programming um, at Appetite for Change and all the social enterprise work um, has really stemmed from those first conversations. We didn't have a strategic plan until three years in because we were like, well, this is our strategic plan. This is what the community said they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been a wild ride. It's been eight years. And it's I'm, been eight wow. years? Yeah, we just celebrated eight years. Congratulations. <sighs> On February 28th, and we just had a party for ourselves, which is very hard for us to do. We don't have a big culture of celebrating success which I think is part of my uh, living well Is you got to celebrate the successes Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, we had a party at our new restaurant in um, Union Depot called Station 81 and it was really fun and we celebrated eight years and a lot of impact a lot of pounds of food grown a lot of people employed a lot of workshops a lot of meals that's great that's amazing amazing a lot of farmers
1: markets thank you so how did you build the community
2: in north minneapolis like how did you well the community was already there i have always been like the outsider but i think collaborating with um and working with princess um and tasha my co-founders they were tasha has like 500 community uh cousins and relatives on the north side. And Princess had been um, there raising her kids since she was, um, had come, we like to say she's the refugee from Chicago, Tasha's the struggling vegetarian, and I'm the recovering lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the three of us, that's kind of our secret sauce that we just came from different worldviews, different experiences, but shared knowledge and um talents and experience and wisdom with each other and have built something really special.
0: And what, from your background, or just what other influences, I'm curious, have helped and shape and just, I guess, instill the passion that you've had for some of these movements? Because this is quite um, quite impressive, what you've done.
2: Thank you. But
0: have there been you know individuals or something in your past or even just other organizations out there on a more global or national level that have helped you um, create appetite for change
2: yeah I would say all of those things I think one of my passions um, as I'm reflecting um, on if I'm living my purpose which I really do feel like I'm in this workshop to like figure out what your purpose is Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh wait this is my purpose I'm (laughs) living it I've just been living it really really hard (laughs) Living it a lot, to the fullest, and yep, I need a little, a little break, which I am Feel taking little bit, yeah. a little break. I'm excited about that. We can talk more about that. But, um, yeah, no, um, all of the things that you mentioned, my uh, upbringing and my cultural Judaism, um, my parents' example, and my um, you know community of giving back, of taking care of our communities, taking care of each other, helping um, others succeed, I mean... I know it goes back biblically, but you sent set one-tenth of your tidings away um, f- to give to people who are hungry. And I think it goes way beyond just, like, the laws of kashrut, keeping kosher and not mixing milk and meat and setting aside land and giving away food. I think there's just something in my, um, in, in my culture and me being Jewish and the values that were taught in my home and in my synagogue and in my community um, were, you know you're no, you never know when you're going to be the oppressed population we've been oppressed for you know slaves since we were in egypt so you know just always looking out for other communities that um, have the risk of being exploited or marginalized or oppressed is something that i think i learned from the get-go and great teachers along the way um i was fortunate to my mom worked as an administrator at the blake school so really fortunate to go there from kindergarten through 12th grade and Marnie was always a special friend of my sister's because she also went to Blake and so that was like other other friends were like well I know you but you know like we we had that connection so I feel like it's a very special community it's um, uh, a lot of um, learning about what else is going on in the world so Mm -hmm. being aware of inequities and injustice I think has been at the heart of um, my passion for learning. Um, And yeah, studying bioethics and thinking about um, life and death issues and working in the criminal justice system, growing food with my grandparents, um, working waiting tables for 10 years. All of these things, um, loving food, loving cooking, loving the art of creating food. you know, when I, I think you lose a little bit that love when you're working in the industry because you're cooking all the time, every day, all day. So I know a lot of chefs and cooks don't take care of themselves in the kitchen as much and they maybe mm-hmm. end up eating a lot of processed stuff. But um, yeah, the, the art of cooking is something that's so therapeutic for me. And um, I'm excited to do a lot more cooking while I'm on my break. Yeah. Getting tending my garden in my backyard because the raspberries have taken over, I tell you. Well, it would be a good time of year, hopefully. If yes. Up. So maybe.
1: Um... I was just going to say before we dig in too far, I don't think um, we've told our audience what Appetite for Change is.
2: Yeah, it's a social enterprise nonprofit, which just means that we run like a business. We have products that we sell. We, we have a catering company called Breaking Bread and a cafe on the north side called Breaking Bread Cafe. And then we just opened a restaurant um, called Station 81 in Union Depot in St. Paul. And so all of the revenue generated from selling food, which is um, when we can sourced from our gardens that we grow um, on urban farms in North Minneapolis. Our youth program does that, and so we use our own food to, to create delicious, made-from-scratch meals, and that revenue goes back into our programming, and we do so much. We have cooking workshops called Community Cooks, where that's our flagship program. People still, to, to eight years later, coming together um, to cook, eat, and dialogue. Um, there's uh, our Youth Employment and Training Program, and the youth are helping facilitate those cooking workshops, but also... Like I mentioned, growing food on seven urban farms across North Minneapolis, vacant lots, um, lots owned by other community organizations. And then we operate the West Broadway Farmer's Market, which is on West Broadway Avenue, across from the Capri Theater, um, really close to Penn and Broadway, one block off. Um, And uh, yeah, we do a farmer's market every Friday from three to seven, starting in, we'll be starting in July this year, a a little bit later probably than than last season june is is tough we just getting everything out of the ground and Mm want to have like a beautiful plentiful table when you when you open so yeah Yeah. late june early july will be open so we also have a shared commercial kitchen incubator which is called kindred kitchen and food trucks and small businesses making value-added products in fact i saw robin frank earlier and uh Thumbs cookies started out of when she moved back from New York, started out of our kitchen and Ooh, incubated cool. to bigger space and we have folks like herbivorous butcher in Northeast doing amazing meatless meats. We that, they're it, on our list. Yeah, okay. It's well I can uh, yeah, we would love an I introduction. Can, I can get you I can get you that. Avi <laughs> helps awesome. them kosherize their kitchen too and most of their products. So mm-hmm. it's a product that a lot of Orthodox and, and Jews that keep kosher or like into and we'll order online or drive over there to get it, I think. Um, yeah, they're cool people. Aubrey and Kale. Kale is his name. Oh I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay,
0: how do you do all this? I mean I am, you just rattled off ten different This is why I need a break. <laughs> yes, and we will
1: talk about that. It's like five different businesses here. within your organization. Yeah I mean, we have a three seriously.
2: million dollar
0: budget. We, well I missed that home. a three million okay. dollar
2: budget. And so um, how many
0: people do you have working for you.
2: Right now we have, um, a, I think we have 69 or 70 mm-hmm. people on payroll, but um, it's like ends up being like 40 FTE equivalents, but it's it's a decent sized yeah. payroll.
0: Yeah. And you're just, you're touching so many different people in need, right? Yeah. So you've got education, you have the garden to feed mm-hmm. them, you've got the incubator kitchen, the training program. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just a lot. So can you talk a little bit more maybe about, I'm curious about like the training program and how you're really able to impact youth. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can talk about this rap video that went viral, Um, um, but like you said early on, when you were a public defender, you know, how can you kind of get proactively address mm-hmm. some of these issues that come up later,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was wanting to be more upstream like mm-hmm. as opposed to the bottom of the funnel be one of the ingredients that goes into the soup, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so uh, Our youth program is really fun young people. It was created by young people the teenage children of my co-founders and um, we we look at it like we, you meet the young person where they're at and um, Everyone is welcome. The criteria is show up on time breathing, um, which for teens can be difficult sometimes. But it's a first job. It's learning about food and nutrition and growing your own. It's about finding other young people that are um, welcoming and maybe different from you, maybe not, but that you can be yourself around. Um, I think that's challenging for most young people in their first jobs. It's hard to to really be yourself, but also learn the rigor of, you know, showing up and doing a job every day. Um, so we're, um, we're doing about 25 youth a year in our program. Um, it's a progressive program. So they learn all the basics and then kind of move up and get to become mentors. And then the idea is to hire youth to run, you know, to be our staff. And we do have a couple of young people that have been with us since the beginning that are now staffing the program. And so, I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is being community-led, and it's not not a savior complex thing or a, or a come and fix it. It's like really community members from North Minneapolis implementing solutions to the issues that they have known they've had for a long time and have wanted to solve just maybe haven't had the resources to do so.
1: So do you have to be a member of the North Minneapolis community to participate in your events?
2: No, everyone is welcome. Um, community cooks started out as really a, find out what people want to, this organization to be, this program to be, but then people just loved coming together to cook, eat and talk and learn mm-hmm. from each other. It's a popular education model, not like a class. So that just kept going and so it is primarily North Minneapolis residents that come to our three groups, New Moms, um, Community Night, and Youth. Um, But we do community cooks experiences for groups of people, um, corporate team building or other organizations that wanna do a dialogue with their parents and kids or their um, volunteers or their board. Um, We can do it for book clubs. We can do it for lots of different groups. Um, But the three that we offer free in the community are typically um, Folks from the community and then volunteers people who want to volunteer at afc We encourage them to come first to just participate in community cooks like everyone else and learn about the organization and then See what opportunities come from there. We've had skilled based volunteers work on spreadsheets and numbers and strategies and portfolio impact we worked with BCG consulting they were incredible um you know but there's always work to do boots on the ground in the garden and got to deep clean that kitchen every week so (laughs) (laughs) so tell us a little bit more about the garden that's that was one of the first projects you did right yeah it was after community cooks people said they wanted to grow their own food and there were not a lot of opportunities for community gardens on the north side although there was a lot of vacant property. Um, So
1: how did you make that happen?
2: So we partnered with a neighborhood association that had a flower garden that had kind of let the flowers go to seed so it was just like really overgrown flowers Mm -hmm. that nobody was maintaining. Um, There had been a couple of older folks that lived on the block that were taking care of it but they just they there was only a few of them and they really weren't putting It was too much for just a few of them to do by themselves. On a volunteer basis, so we asked if we could clean up the lot and build some raised beds and grow some food and keep a lot of the flowers and make it still, like, look nice. Um, It's the Jordan Area Community Council, and it's the Jordan Community Peace Garden or Jordan Neighborhood Peace Garden. It's on 26th Avenue in Knox. Okay. Um, 26th Avenue North in Knox. So we just did that the first year and volunteers and um, folks who had come to our community cooks workshops just families that lived in the community that wanted to grow food we offered anybody that wanted to to come and help us grow food so there was just a small group of families like you know eight families that came together to grow food in these like six raised beds Mm -hmm. Um, and the young people loved it and it was i think really great experience for people just to see how easy it is to throw seeds in the ground and grow your own food Um, and in a container so it's like even if you don't own your own land the container can be small and it can be as long as it's facing sun it can be on a balcony or a you know front stoop even if you don't own the property so um, that was really fun and then that grew into well maybe we should grow some food and use it in our workshops or grow some food and sell it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and then the youth got really entrepreneurial and we started doing the farmer's market table and the rest is history, we needed more land. So we've started growing on other lots, but. So, <laughs> we both have so many
1: questions. So when you talk about um, the youth being engaged, I'm curious, like what ages you're kind of hitting and how many kids or youth are, are showing up and doing this? Cause this is amazing.
2: Yeah, so we have, um, on our Youth Community Cooks Night, it's like 14 to 24-year-olds are all welcome, and we get anywhere from 20 to 50 youth that show up um, every other Thursday. One night it's at Breaking Bread Cafe, and one night it's at a church, um, but twice in each location each month. And um, and then in our employment program, it's tw- about 25 youth we are have in the program during the summer that's gone down to about, 12 to 15 during the school year because a Mm -hmm. lot of kids do have you know uh, other things that they're doing um and we also during the year have not had enough hours for young young people to have it be their primary job so they've gone out and gotten a job where they can get more hours Mm -hmm. Um, But we have a lot of exciting opportunities in catering and other social enterprise work that we're expanding on that will give more job opportunities to the young people. But to be employed in the program, it used to be 14 to 24, just like our cooking workshops, just like, um, you know, showing up to the garden. But we've narrowed that down more so to 14 to 18, so the high school age, just to really focus. It was harder to... The young adults are going through such different things and housing Mm -hmm. and all other, you know, college and jobs. And it's just a totally different population. So focusing just on the teens that are still finishing high school or enrolling back into high school or getting their GED, like all of those, it's like a little bit more narrowed focus, but more impact in that age group.
0: Yeah. And can you share? But in the,
2: in the community night, sorry, the, in the community night at community cooks, kids of all ages come with their parents. There's no age limit on community night. And then new moms is, um, pregnant and, um, moms with kids up to age five and their partner or family member or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, so there's like the more community cooks, Families have much younger kids, but the ones in our youth employment program or who come to the youth night of community cooks are teens and young adults. So yeah. you're
1: really hitting that whole it's age inter- span of yeah, raising, raising children, children yes. which is yes. yeah. so awesome. Yeah.
0: And just kind of expanding on that, what have you seen or what kind of influences have you seen with the kids and the youth in particular, mm-hmm. even the younger families, with getting them engaged, so getting them engaged with the garden and then mm-hmm. eating the food that they you know, grow in the garden
2: yeah, and just getting
0: them hands-on in the kitchen because I think that can really change the landscape for all of us, right? When you're involved and engaged in the food and the cooking aspect and how it's grown. Yes. So I'd love to know more about
2: that. Yeah, I think that it's human nature. No matter what neighborhood, how much we make, what our background is, we all tend to not prioritize time and resources in the kitchen. It's Mm -hmm. like food has become super convenient super prepared, delivered to your doorstep, easy, 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 easy. So the time it takes to get back into the kitchen and really cook and do that as a family and connect is really challenging for for any family. And so I think, um, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so the, um, the obvious outcome of getting kids, to plant seeds and see their plants grow and pick the food off the vine and bring it into the kitchen and slice it up at the cutting board and put some olive oil in a pan and saute it up and then taste it. And like that act of seeing, seeing your hard work, the reward of your work, but also that it tastes so much better than if you had just, you know, gotten it at a a restaurant or even um, at a, a grocery store. So Um, that's fun for kids and then I I think adults too like the more we can get back to the joy of cooking and the joy of being in a a, a teamwork and team collective activity of not wanting the food to taste nasty not wanting to burn or cut anybody (laughs) and uh, um, having something that tastes good at the end that you can share with family and friends—it's like, it's the ultimate connector. We all feel good when we do that.
0: Right. And we all need more human connection. Exactly. These days. There's a lot of that. And you even talked when you started this interview about how this organization was formed—was you and your now co-founders, yeah. right? All got together over food in the community, and yeah. you had a conversation, and you had this you instilled this connection, yeah. And talked about what the community needed and how you could address those needs. So. You're case in point, I guess.
2: Yeah. What can be done. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a princessism, and it's a little raunchy, and you can cut it out if you want. But um, we all eat. Human beings eat for sustenance, but food is so much more than sustenance. And we all eat differently, and we all have different cultural backgrounds and religious traditions around food and laws and rules and all that. But you know what? It all comes out looking the same. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> I can say that. Everyone this. poops. I feel like I can say right? yeah. Everyone poops. I feel exactly. like I can say everyone that poops. on the Art of Living well yes. podcast. Yes, I will say that. Like, yes. It, yes. it all is is what it is. It's the same stuff. Yep. Shit, if you will. I Absolutely. Know,
1: can I I can say that. Exactly. Yes, yeah, you can. can. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, we're open here.
1: So... And I know you have, so you have the Breaking Bread Cafe, which is reopening.
2: Reopening, April
1: 6th. Which will be open by the time people are listening. Oh, it's open. Head there now.
2: (laughs) Get in your car and go to 1200 West Broadway Avenue. There's parking lot in the back, parking across the street at the church, ample street parking, and delicious made-from-scratch food that really pays homage to the... Legacy of black American cuisine in the United States because it's different and it's Interesting to learn about soul food is not just the only food that black people eat and southern is different from soul food And there's low country and Cajun and Creole and all these different cuisines that I think we don't really Give their their respect barbecue. It's different. You know, Mm -hmm. it's different in different parts of the country Yeah, I'm excited to come try it when it opens up Thank you, yes. And catering we do all the time, so you can... um, And actually, if you're listening to this podcast and you mention the Art of Living Well podcast with our catering team, Joffrey or Tiara or Laura, um, someone will take care of you and give you a 10% off discount on your catering order. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's very generous. No, do it. You won't regret (laughs) it. The kale salad and the mac and cheese, you can have a little bit of indulgence and a little bit of, um,
0: comfort food. I'm going to bring my kids. Yes. Because they'll for sure be wanting the mac and cheese. Yes. And maybe a little bit of kale salad. Yes. Yes.
1: And what about, um, Station 81? Station 81, yeah. Tell us about that too.
2: Yeah, it's in Union Depot in the, um, like where the light rail is and train station and,
1: In um, St. Paul.
2: In St. Paul, downtown St. Paul, the lower town neighborhood. Okay. Yep. And, um, we were looking to expand our catering operation cause it's like the best revenue generating for our, mm. you know, only 40% of our budget is earned revenue. The rest is donations, grants, government contracts, um, all the normal nonprofit ways of bringing in revenue. So if we can scale catering by 20%, I mean, we run like a business. And so we can do that and, and earn enough revenue to, not only create more jobs and have more training opportunities, but support our other programming. We were all about it, so looking for a a larger kitchen space um, the Union Depot kitchen just kind of fell into our laps. We were lucky to partner with Cascade Hospitality and Ramsey County um, to take over the lease and become the exclusive caterer of Union Depot. So Breaking Bread had this opportunity to really expand our catering model. And then with it came the opportunity to um, run the cafe, which many of your listeners will remember. It um, used to be Christo's. And before that, there was a Lian Chin in there randomly. But then it was Union Depot Bar and Grill for the last year and a half. And um, Cascade <coughs> ran that. And now it is Station 81. And Appetite for Change runs it. And That's we're so very awesome. excited. And we have a mezzanine for private events. And if you have your wedding or a, an event at Union Depot, we will work with your team to provide the most delicious, affordable food made from scratch. Featuring local ingredients yeah. and that's in the summertime, awesome, produce grown by the AFC Youth. So that's so grow awesome. food. Yes. Speaking of the viral video, grow food. Everyone should check that out. Well, you yeah, literally Google. Talk about this. You little literally Google grow food. It is the number one hit on Google for grow food. So I
0: played it this morning for my younger son. Oh, he loved it. I bet. I mean, he was like watching the video. I bet. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so it's tell us a little bit more creepy. about this. How
2: yeah. What was how what was, what was the inspiration
1: yeah. behind that?
2: The inspiration was finding a creative way for us to tell our story and the work that we do, because a lot of people don't know about Appetite for Change, but do so in a way that um, was attractive to young people, young people in urban communities, young people in the Twin Cities, young people across the country, um, about the message around food justice. And um, we got a grant to do an innovative communications project, and the youth in our um, program had The youth founders had um, created, one of them had created um, some lyrics in a cypher circle once at a food justice uh, conference with other youth um, while they were out of town at this amazing um, uh, RIC conference rooted in community. And it became a spoken word piece about food justice and about the work that AFC does. And it was performed a few places by the youth and everyone loved it. That's actually what we performed um, at our pitch at this United Way event at U.S. Bank Stadium. And that's, I think, why we got voted number one is because the spoken word piece is just so um,
1: powerful, powerful.
2: Thank you. Yes. And um, the youth in the program were like, well, we can do something like that. We can do a spoken word piece or like we're going to do a whole rap and like. So they wrote the lyrics, they came up with the concept of the video. We had a $10,000 budget, which was not a lot, but we made it work and we produced Grow Food and hit it, uh, we dropped it um, on Give to the Max day, November uh-huh. um, 2016, to just be like, like we want this to go far and wide, so we might as well drop it on a day where more people are likely to watch it and then right. maybe it'll spread. And it did, and we couldn't have imagined like celebrities were putting it on instagram or putting it on social media and then watch the yard did a piece on it which is like the um black social uh, uh greek like fraternity and sorority alumni groups um this is a publication that they do called watchtheyard.com. i think it's just digital but they did a story and then a bunch of like people who were in sororities and fraternities but who are now like our age or whatever alumni. alumni saw it and then like showed it to their kids and then their kids loved it. Um, and then it, it went viral and um, um, Colin Kaepernick saw it. And I think he's a vegetarian or a vegan. I don't know which one, but he was still figuring out his um, mechanism of how he's going to donate um, money from Jersey sales. Cause it was his last year with the 49ers 2016, 2017 when all the controversy of him taking a knee was happening and so he was, like, looking for nonprofits. He saw this video. It was right around Christmas. And he just was like, well, I'm going to choose this organization. So we got, That's like, so the, amazing. the call on Christmas of, like, you're getting a grant from Colin Kaepernick. And it was, like, insane. Um, so, but he has honed in, really, on um, young people knowing their rights when they're talking to police and um, avoiding... Uh, training and getting rid of police brutality really is is what we're what we're what what he's focused on And, Uh and that's a big issue in the youth population in our community actually is interactions with police so what colin kaepernick has focused on is really cool but i think it's awesome that he was looking at other things um i think he in fact funded some ebola stuff like i know it's like coronavirus central (laughs) can you say that well hopefully by the time this airs we're not
0: oh hopefully that'll be so
2: yes (laughs) yes but anyway so yes the video was fun it was the you know the kids taking over the lunch the lunch lady at school and saying we're going to make healthier better tasting stuff and then um it's filmed at breaking bread cafe so it's a Um, And The Kitchen, Kindred Kitchen, um, and then, yeah, the youth did a follow-up video, too, called Trapper Grow, and that just dropped in December of this year, of this past year, 2019, Um, and that was another youth-led project they really wanted to talk about, and they did a whole album, actually, so Trapper Grow has five songs, including Grow Food. So four new songs. That's and so, so cool. it's original music, original lyrics, and it's just about healthy living and um, choices that young people have around food, around mental health, around physical activity, around all these different things, all in, in one album of the type of music that young people want to listen to. So. And is that under your organization or is that it a is. separate it entity? Yeah, no, there, I mean, the, the video and the youth performances are not like a moneymaker. No, I know. Uh, I was yes. just curious. If oh, You're yeah. managing all that. Well, our youth or your organization. Yeah, our organization does. Yeah, our youth program and um, getting it up on YouTube. And we have a, an amazing lawyer, um, Betsy butwin um Betwinick, who oh, helps us with our... I was
1: her camp counselor.
2: That's... I'm sure <laughs> you were. Small worlds.
1: That is so funny. Yeah. yeah she was my
2: camper. <laughs> Friedman and... I. No, I'm sorry. Uh, her law firm is Iverson. Anyway, she does. Um, Betsy does all of our um, like entertainment law stuff. Helps us with that pro bono. It's really, really nice of her. Yeah. So, so how
0: have you seen these videos? Kind of, like they've gone viral and they've had tons. of The first of views one did. Yeah. Has, yeah. The, yeah. S-
2: the second one is a little less popular, but
0: yeah. That's kind of always it's uh, yeah.
2: the case. Yeah.
0: But how do you see them influencing the youth?
2: Oh, they. You know, I think they're. They're, the office is a no junk food zone. They're definitely influenced by the attention that they get, and they are then like really proud and confident of the work that they do in the community and the message and the, the fact that they're ambassadors spreading this knowledge and wisdom to their peers. Um, you know, young people are still gonna go to eat McDonald's and go to the corner yeah. store and eat junk, like all kids, all teens. But I think they're really a lot more aware of um, what they're putting in their bodies and what they're eating at home, what their schools are serving them, what our institutions are feeding us, um, the policy systems and environment that um, impact you know, what businesses open in what areas and all of that. Is. So
1: I, that kind of leads into my next question. I'm really wondering how you're breaking stereotypes
2: around health and wellness. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I didn't realize how many stereotypes there were going into this work. But like um, people in the community thinking of farmers markets as something for white people and or um, uh, someone being vegetarian and losing weight and that not being culturally aesthetic um, to be too thin because you're trying to be a certain way Um, or that, you know, people with money just eat healthier. Like that's not, I mean, there's a lot of people with money that do not eat well. Right. You know, so a lot of these stereotypes, I think, um, help get broken down when people just come together around food Mm -hmm. and share their stories and their perceptions and their backgrounds. Like everyone knows what healthy is. Nobody needs to be taught that broccoli is healthy. But if you live in a community where there's very little food access you maybe maybe or maybe don't have an access to a vehicle so there's a ton of corner stores and you see what's available at those and then there's maybe one grocery store that you'll uber to or borrow a car or take the bus to or a taxi and then that grocery store is not designed the same as other grocery stores Mm -hmm. around it even when you walk in the door it's not produce right it's not produce you walk through a hallway of Day-old things, hamburger helper, canned goods, sugary mm-hmm. stuff—the dollar section. Then you get to the produce, and there's not a ton of local or or organic options. The end caps are different. There's you know fewer staff. The, it's not as clean of a store. You know, like, and I'm I'm not dogging on um, one store in particular. It's been like this for a long time. Um, but North Market opened. Um, in the northern part of North Minneapolis, Um, and they're amazing. They're run by another nonprofit partner of ours, Pillsbury United Communities. Um, It's where the old Kowalski's used to be. Um, But So there are options. Um, There are more options than there used to be when we started this work. but you think about, like, how does it make you feel that you have to leave your community to get the products and things that you want? Like, mm-hmm. right. it takes away a little bit of just, like, pride and dignity. Well,
0: these are just, this is food. This is just basic. It's just a because basic means, human right. right? Yeah. yeah. It's a human right. It's exactly. not like health
2: care. It's just, like, food is, like, yeah, we're not going to starve our communities. But right. we are poisoning our communities with mm-hmm. where we choose to put certain businesses and certain other businesses and stereotypes that people who live in communities like North Minneapolis aren't going to spend money on food, on real food, but like people are leaving to go to the co-op, leaving to go to, you know, Trader Joe's, leaving, leaving to go elsewhere to get the foods that they want and, um, the products that they want. And yeah, I think there's a lot of breaking down of, of stereotypes that that still needs to happen, but I think we're doing it one one meal at a time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you're clearly having a very big impact. Oh, thank you, on this community. thank you so much. Very impressive.
1: Do you ha- is there like a powerful story you can think of like around someone that you've maybe impacted in the community or, um, I, mean, I don't know, so an
2: individual or a family, yeah, or an, an organization. experience. Yeah. I, we were just. Well, she's probably, she'd probably be embarrassed that I would be bragging on her. But um, a young woman in our, in our uh, organization, um, and actually she's been published a few times recently. So I think you could even read some of her work. But Aaliyah Demry, um, is was recently on Angela Davis on NPR talking yeah. about um, Grow Food and Trapper Grow. With one of our youth founders, Latasia Powell, both of them I would I would um, mention just because they're both incredible young women, um, and through the program that Latasia helped build because she was the teenage daughter of my co-founder when now she's twenty two, twenty three, can't keep track these days. But um, Aliyah came into our program and was like joking about not joking, but she was saying she wanted to be a rapper, and Latasia was laughing at her. And then she, you know, started growing food and doing community cooks workshops, and going through high school and learning that, like, she really likes telling stories and capturing images and doing social media, and she's kind of like an influencer amongst her peers. And so, started working with our communications um, manager on our team to like learn more about journalism and PR. Then we connected her to the journalism. Uh, 360 journalism program at St. Thomas, so she got to do this um, mentorship and um, program, class program around um, writing, you know, writing real pieces of journalism, and so she's actually now published. She's done a few pieces online for local publications, the Star Tribune, a couple of other things, and she's getting a scholarship to go to college. So that's amazing. and is like gonna go into marketing and communications. So and she's still a rapper. Like she's one of the she's the screaming hot Cheetos and Takis boy. You it eat your <laughs> yeah. broccoli. Fake food is kind of lame. Putting poison in your brain. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. Need more people at the club. Dropping bottles of that water. Anyway, that's awesome. Yes, yeah. and and she's the the one who mentions Michelle Obama and her efforts about okay. getting healthy food in the school. But then for the trapper Grow song she's also like the lead the first female she opens the song if you see it she does the first verse okay. but um that's a great story yeah mm-hmm. she's and and she it's not like she was like going to end up being in a gang or not graduate from high school but i think like she really found a family at afc found guidance got into the right path for her, for the area that she wants to excel in. And I think we meet people where they're at, like not every kid wants to go to four-year college or needs to go to a four-year college. And um, there's a lot of really high-paying, well-benefited jobs that you don't need those degrees for. And if that's a path that kids want to take or if they want to go into food service and wait tables, I mean, I made good money as a server. Right. And things are changing because a lot of people are eliminating tips and um, there's more wage parity now between cooks and servers. That's a whole other story. But um, but yeah, young people in their first jobs can learn a lot of great skills, thinking on your feet, having a long memory, um, customer service, cooperating with coworkers in stressful situations. I mean, restaurants are and food service is a really great first job. And I apparently, one in every two of your listeners, 50% of this country... had a job in food service let's see if it Mm -hmm. works i have
1: i have i have not
2: but two out of three is even more than one out of two like yeah
1: so if people are interested in volunteering getting involved donating where how should we direct them or how do you want to direct people
2: well there's so many different ways that you can get involved with appetite for change because we do have a lot going on i will remind folks that if you are interested in catering we do large and small events Weddings, galas, box lunches, breakfast meetings, um, 10% off com slash catering if you mention the Art of Living Well podcast. And you can um, uh, fill out a form on the website for that. There, We take donations on our website. That's afcmn.org. Um, stands for Appetite for Change Minnesota. Um, watch the Grow Food video, um, and yeah, we would love to have you come to a Community Cooks to learn about what we're doing. Um, those are on our events page on the Appetite for Change website. Um, community Night is every other Wednesday, so that would be the, the first entry point for someone to get to know us. The Cafe, Breaking Bread Cafe will reopen, um, will be open, so head over there. Um, And Station 81, head over there um, for, we have great happy hour, it's a full bar. So there's like cocktail specials and food specials. Um, You can also keep an eye out um, when you think about, uh, or hear about food issues and food, hunger, food banks. Think about how you hear about food in, in a charitable way. Is it like just feeding people a meal? Um, And and think about all the ways that food touches our lives and how transportation issues and environmental issues and economic issues, think about all the people who, you know, can't stay home sick because they may be sick and can't lose a paycheck because they're working in the food industry, but they might be sick and we don't, you know, what are we going to do for those folks? So food touches every every part of our life there's a really cool series that's not a plug for andrew zimmern but it is a really good show on msnbc what's eating america Um, and it's looking at addiction environment immigration um, all different issues through the lens of food and i think that the more people that look at the world that way will kind of think differently and maybe choose to get involved politically for somebody who's talking about some of these issues mm-hmm. that, you know, food um, affects. So. Wow.
0: Well, that's great. Thank yeah. Um, so one final question we like to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you?
2: Yeah, I, um, I think that the art of living well to me right now means how we spend our time really matters and the people we spend it with the things we choose to do or not do and how we treat our minds and our bodies is so important and we spend 99.99 percent of our time with ourselves and our dreams when we're asleep so we um we got to take care of of us Take care of the the one body that we have in this one life.
0: That's beautiful. And this maybe goes to a little bit. You can share with the listeners the mini mini sabbatical. Mini sabbatical slash
2: extended vacation. Yes, when you listen to this. I will not be allowed to go to Breaking Bread for the opening because I will be taking a break and letting my team celebrate and do all the things that they do best. Um, to get the cafe open, and I will be um, rejuvenating something that I've been working on with my board and my co-founders and my leadership um, team and all my um, colleagues for almost a year. So that's, you know, I got, it happened within a year, so I'm happy about that. But um, really trying to um, reconnect with myself, um, cook. Throw some pottery. I, I I make mugs and sort of vases. Um, That's so awesome. <laughs> well, and be we... with my kids and spend time with the people. You know, like I've been working so hard for so long. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna try to. I know my definition sounded good. I'm gonna try to live out that definition over the next. Uh, 6 weeks and then report I can report back.
1: Perfect. Price well, we time. yeah, we wish you an amazing 6 weeks off and I hope we hope that you find, you know, balance. Yes. So that when you do re-enter yes. and go back to work, you can yes. maintain Yes. That and that was sense like the of one balance. word
2: that I was thinking of when I was thinking of the art of living well. I was like, well, it's just balance. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the things that are meaningful to you that give you energy. Connecting with the people that you want to connect with and spending your time how you want to spend it, but in balance, really. Yes.
1: Well, we wish you the best. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. This was so fun. This was fun. And um, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening. Hey, Stephanie, can you believe that the average mass produced bottle of wine can contain up to 16 grams of added sugar?
0: I know. That's crazy. That's more than a glazed donut
1: she kind of grosses me out. But anyway, we're so excited because we finally found clean crafted wine that we enjoy, that tastes good, and we don't feel like crap the next day.
0: I am loving these Scout and Cellar wines. We've tried several of the different types and all of them taste good, like Marnie said. And we love the fact that there's no added sugar. They're free of chemicals and pesticides. They're grown with organic grapes and sustainable farming practices, and they have very low sulfites, which are one of the things that can often cause the headaches the next day.
1: And, you know, it's summertime, it's patio season, it's so nice to just get outside. If you enjoy having a glass of wine, um, we are super excited to be part of Scout and Cellar, and we do have our online
0: shop. So you just head on over to www.scoutandcellar, that's slash theartoflivingwell. You can have clean crafted wine delivered to your door. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well
1: podcast.
0: We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media.
1: If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.